Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you have a Bible, your laptop or what have you, to Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, about 10 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Herod the king. Now, this was not Herod the Great, the original Herod. This was the grandson of uh, Herod the Great. And, and as you know, history tells us a little bit about that, that first Herod. He not only killed babies in Bethlehem, but also his wife, uh, his father-in-law, and three of his own sons. So this Herod, or the original Herod, was an absolute lunatic Uh, But obviously, his cruelty was passed down to his children. It says, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Well, first, you need to be crazy if you're going to start harassing people, uh, God's people, people uh, of the covenant, that you just got to be a little bit out of your mind to do that. But, But someone once said, people are are so much more violently opposed to fur than leather because it's safer to harass rich women than it is a motorcycle gang. And this speaks to this issue. This was pure opportunism here. He only struck those who wouldn't strike back. But nobody gets bigger by making other people feel small. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. This was really, 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 really big. Now, James was not only one of the 12 original disciples, James was one of the, the leading three, the James, Peter, and John. Whenever Jesus put some of the disciples out and kept others in, it was these three that he kept in. So again, these are his leading uh, generals, if you will. And uh, by killing James here, Herod had struck at the heart of the Jesus movement And it was an incredible blow to the church. Then it says, and because Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. Now, this is important because what he did had nothing to do with principle. It was pure politics and people pleasing. And here's the deal. Whenever we care more about what people think than what God thinks, we become monsters. And this is what began to happen in the mind of, of Herod and and, and he, he, he killed James and, and he, you know, started patting himself on the back. Well, I got away with that, so now I'm going to take it a step further. So he proceeded further to, to seize Peter. So the devil here is gaining momentum ahead of steam against uh, God's people. And, and one painful event turned into the next painful event. But here's the deal. We could never be brave if only good things happened to us. So God wanted to show the metal of his church. He wanted to show the world what his men were and women were, were made out of. Psalms 91 and verse 7, I want you to remember what God said to David. Now, this was not just a scripture, you know, to put in someone's promise box. This was something given to a soldier, a word from the Lord given to a soldier that was actually going to experience this. He said, David, a thousand may fall at your side, though a thousand soldiers die violent and brutal deaths. He said, and and 10,000 even more die in the heat of battle. 
at your right hand, David, you're still going to be all right. Why? Because you plus God always equals a majority. I don't care what happens to every John, Dick, and Harry. God's got me and God's got you. I recognize what happened to James. And here's the deal. The situation arises and it surprises us. And when it happens, we think, okay, the devil was able to cut off my left hand. So now he's probably able to go get, go to get my right hand. The devil got me with cancer. So, so now he's probably even going to kill me. What, what do you do when your James dies? And as far as anyone watching is concerned, your Peter is next. The streets got your first child. And the devil's saying, no, no, no. That that second child going to be like the first. What do you do when the devil got your James and Peter is next? Verse 3, Acts 12. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, a feast that lasted, you know, seven or eight days or so. Tens of thousands of people made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And he waited to this time because he wanted to have the greatest psychological impact possible on God's people. So when he arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. Now, remember now, we're looking back on this, but these guys were in the middle of this. Jesus had just been crucified by soldiers. Soldiers had just cut off the head of James. Why should Peter's outcome be any different? But, but here's what I learned. Just because the past didn't work out the way you wanted doesn't mean God can't surprise you in the future. And just because Satan might have been able to get in on that thing doesn't necessarily mean he got to get on, on the next thing. Do you follow what I'm saying? He intended to bring him before the people after Passover. And again, it's highly public season. He wanted to completely break the morale and, and the growth of, of, of this burgeoning young church. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But while he was there, something special started happening. You see, when James was put in prison, everybody kind of prayed a prayer. Well, Lord, you know, you, they're apostles. You're going to take care of the apostles. And they just kind of prayed a prayer and a little light prayer and went back to work. But when James was killed... They recognize it ain't nobody's office. It, it, it ain't nobody's pedigree that protects them. They, they, they begin to realize that they don't get serious with their God. They might be next. It said, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But then something started happening that obviously didn't happen before. The Bible says constant prayer. Meaning the church began to pray constantly, frequently, earnestly, and with intensity. My pages can't handle the anointing, so. But here's the deal. The more we pray, the less we panic. But you see here, the church was a sleeping giant. You see, the church really wasn't waiting on God as much as God was waiting on them to be consistent, frequent, and earnest in their approach. 
He was waiting on the church to take up their spiritual weapons, the, the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds. And God was waiting for the church to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when they finally turned to him, put some stuff aside, we're about to see how he responded. But not just casual, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. These were not some sleepy ritual prayer meetings. Again, people realized my family could be next. So everybody was getting down to business with God. When you finally want God more than you want anything else, God will make sure you're not disappointed. But until you're seeking with your whole heart, uh, until you, you, you really turn to the wall, sometimes your prayers will get answered and sometimes they won't. And when Herod was about to bring him out, again, the feast only lasted about a week or so, meaning the church prayed and they didn't get immediate results. But here's the problem. We give up too soon. That night, the night right before his execution, it says, Peter was sleeping. I get Peter sleeping any other night. You know, I'm a hard sleeper. It takes a lot to wait. I, I, I like to get my sleep. I also recognize Peter wasn't concerned about his redemption or salvation, so there's no need to worry about that. But, but on the night that you're about to make your wife a widow, you'll never kiss her again when you walk in the house, never kiss her goodbye. On the night you're going to leave your children fatherless for the rest of their life? You're sleeping? How did Peter sleep? I'm glad you asked. John 21 and verse 18. You see, he had a conversation with Jesus about 10 years prior. And you better have a conversation with your God. And Jesus looked him in the face. He said, most assuredly, he said, I didn't stutter, boy. I say to you, and I appreciate words over other people's lives. But what matters is what God says to me. And it's valuable, and I know some people kind of rate my preaching and all the rest, but, but if you just listen, if you just listen and determine how well I preach versus trying to get a word for yourself, you miss the purpose of your Sunday. Peter said, I say to you, when's the last time you got a word from God? When you were younger, Peter, you were a free spirit. You girded yourself and walked where you wished, and you kind of did your thing. You were free and, and just having fun and, and, and the rest. But, Peter, something's going to shift in your life. But when, not if, when you are old. You see, the first problem with Peter dying that night was that Peter was only in his Late 30s at the most, some even say he was by this time maybe only in his early 30s. 
Maybe if you really, really push it, he might be in his early 40s. Meaning, according to Jewish tradition, you start getting old at 50. So obviously, Peter was not old yet. The second problem, by the way, the, the Jews got to work on that tradition because I'm 50 and, and I'm, I'm going to do 50. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to do 60 and 72. You hear what I'm saying? But anyway, the second problem was this. Jesus said to him, he said, and, and, and everyone watching knew he was referring to the cross. Jesus just had just gone to the cross a few days prior to him saying this. And he was like, you know, Jesus, they'll never crucify you and all the rest. And he watched Jesus get crucified. So he said, no, 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 Peter, uh, you will stretch out your hands. And another will gird you, address you, and carry you where you do not wish. So the second thing is Jesus predicted that Peter would be crucified. But the problem is only the Romans crucified. Herod was not a Roman. The Jewish authorities did not crucify, neither did they have the authority to crucify. So here's the deal. When you really believe the jot and the tittle, you hear what I'm saying? When you really believe that what God said to you, he meant it. And when you really believe God's word over your life, you can sleep when other people are are, are wringing their hands, worried and upset because you have a word over your life. I'm not talking about a, a word in the Bible. I'm talking about a word over your life spoken to you, written in your heart. Back to Acts 12 and 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. You might think you have problems with the person you're sleeping with. Nobody laughed. And what they did is they wanted to make sure he didn't get out. So they'd rotate these soldiers. There'd be four soldiers, two that would be handcuffed to him and two protecting the door. And, and so no one would go to sleep. They sat there awake. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's a little hard to sleep when, when guys next to you are, are awake and talking and doing what they're doing. But, but it says here, he was sleeping bound with chains between two soldiers And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. The point here, there was absolutely no way out. But if you truly have a word from God over your life, even if he has to send an angel, you will come out on the other side. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him. And what I'm here to tell you today is it's not what you're chained to, but it's the word God has spoken over you that matters in your life. This angel stood by him and a light shone in the prison. Now, the Bible had to be limited in its size, lest the Bible, Jesus said, listen, the whole world couldn't contain all the books that be written about the things that he did and said. So every point is, is important. 
So the Holy Spirit saw, saw fit to say that a light shone in the prison. So don't miss it. Psalms 119.30 says this. The entrance of God's word gives light. You see, the word God had spoken over Peter's life followed him into that jail. And when Peter started acting like God's word was so, no chains were strong enough, no walls were thick enough. Well, how do they say, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no, there was nothing that could keep God's word from his child. Acts 12 and 7. And he struck Peter on the side. Now the Greek literally reads that the angel struck Peter repetitively, meaning Peter was not in some, some light sleep, you know. He was in deep, deep sleep, deep, deep, deep rest in the middle of the crisis of his life. So the angel starts poking him to get him up. But, but here's the deal. When, when, when you finally get God's word in your heart, there's a peace that passes understanding. There's a peace that makes absolutely no sense. There's a calm that folks will look at you and just can't quite understand when you really have a word over your life. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise up quickly. You see, the criminal justice system had one plan, but God had another. Last week, my family faced an extremely, extremely dangerous situation. Situations were absolutely beyond my control. And if you know anything about me personally, you get me in the corner, you got yourself a situation. And if you touch one of mine, okay, how do we do this? But, but, but here's the deal. You see, the challenge was I was trying to be bishop, but y'all don't know D-Mac. No, no, you don't understand. I will handle my business. So, 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 D-Mac was trying his best not to drive into one of America's urban centers and handle a situation. So the bishop started calling on the name above every name that can be named. I was thinking about writing a check, no. Using some cash, couldn't be traced. I can't tell you the story yet, but I found him to be a lawyer in the courtroom. 
I found him to be my doctor in the sick room. I found him to be my security, my keeper. The God that makes a way out of no way. A God that makes absolutely no sense. If I just hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, he'll show himself strong and do what only God could do and I'd go to jail if I did. Y'all act like I got preacher's problems. I got the same issues you got. And the angel said, arise quickly. As fast as he got up, watch this, was as fast as the chains fell off. You may have God's word over your life, but if you don't do something with it. If you don't do your part, he can't do his part. He said, Peter, here I am, but you get up. And if you want to get out, you got to do something. You got to get up and do what God is telling you to do. And when he told him to get up, and he started to do, the chains fell off his hands. Who in this room is ready for some chains to fall off your life? then get up and step out and do what God tells you. But watch this. And the angel said, gird yourself. In today's world, the way we dress, it'd be like tie your jacket around your your, your waist and get ready to run. Tie on your sandals, wash your face, brush your teeth, put on your sneakers. We're about to do this thing. And so Peter did. And then he said to him, this is key, you put on your garment. Peter, you dress yourself and follow me. Now, you may have missed what just happened. Remember Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, when it comes your time to die, another will dress you. You may not feel like getting dressed and out of bed this morning, but when you do it anyway, you, you put an RSVP on your future. You, 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 that word that God placed over your life, you activate, and you're saying, devil, I may die, but not today. It, I recognize what happened with James. I love James, appreciate James. I recognize what you did, with, but I got a word. I recognize what you did in my neighbor's life. Devil, devil I, I saw what you did to, to them, but, but for me and that woman, you hear what I'm saying? You got to get that attitude that just because it happened to somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it got to happen to you. Just because somebody else lost their kids to the street don't mean you're going to lose your kids to the street. Just because you lost that first kid to the street don't mean you're going to leave the second kid to the street. Just because they cut off your right hand don't mean the left is going. They might cut out your right eye, but I still got my left. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to fight for it. And you can get a word over that which remains. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.